first one is from 1 Peter chapter 3. first reading is from the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3 verses 8 to 22, on the large print that's on page 1889 and the small print that's page 849. Three. Suffering for doing good. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic Love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good they must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. And the second reading is from Psalm chapter 34, a large print Bible that's on page 869, and the small print is 387. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 
Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. I was really glad to see that. Uh, I think when I about ten minutes before, or five minutes before the service, it was just these three sitting over here on their own. Everybody else had deserted them, so it's nice to see some people who joined them on the right hand side. Uh, as I look at. Let me pray as we look at, it, at God's Word together. We're going to get, getting back into 1 Peter this morning, which is exciting. So uh, let me pray that God would speak to us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, all the things that you give us. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this beautiful church, uh, for the people that we can come and gather with. We thank you for your Word um, that you speak to us through. Lord, I ask that you would be with us as we gather around your word now, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, uh, that you would challenge us even, um, that we might become the kind of people you want us to be uh, as a church, but as individuals as well. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak th- uh, to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever had the experience in your life where you really just don't know where to look. Um, Sometimes it can be where you, you're at, maybe it's a, a kid's concert or something, and the person up the, at the front is just so bad that you're just up there. That wouldn't happen to you, Gus. I know Gus is his final performance on, during the week. Uh, but uh, sometimes you, 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 you're watching a performance uh, and you're just cringing and you're just going, oh, this is just so embarrassing. Uh, I really don't know where to look. I'm not sure if I should watch or I should turn away or whatever it might be. Um, sometimes it can be... Um, because you've lost something and you don't know where to look for it. And so that's, that's never my experience, but I know for other people, they look, what are you laughing for? Um, sometimes you, you leave things lying around, strew them around perhaps, uh, and you have no idea where they are, so you have to search, search the house looking for them. Or maybe uh, it's because you're lost. Uh, maybe you've gone for a bushwalk or something and the path you were on seems to have disappeared and you can't tell which way uh, you're supposed to go. Or it might be in life that you really don't know which way to look, that you're at a bit of a crossroads in life. You're not sure which direction to go, uh, what you're supposed to do next. I wonder where you look in your life. What are you looking towards in your life? For most people, uh, their sight, their eyesight is focused uh, on themselves, on the things that they're doing, on their career or um, on their family and perhaps the people immediately close to them. Uh, the motivational speakers would suggest that, that we want to, we, we should set your eyes is on a goal, that you set a goal in life and you work towards it, you work hard towards it, that your life is focused on that goal. Um, that's, that's where your eyes are set. Well, the New Testament has a very different picture of, of uh, where we should set our eyes. Uh, and our, if you like, our, our church motto tries to express where we should look in our lives you know it well, you're getting sick and tired of me telling it to you, um, that we need to look upward, we need to look inward, and we need to look outward. 
uh, in Hebrews 12 verse 2, um, the writer says that we should fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the upward part, if you like. It's a focus on him um, as we live our lives. Well, today's passage is actually going to encourage us to look in two different directions, um, the inward and the outward direction. But in the end, both of those things, as we'll see, are an outworking of the first one. As we look up to Jesus, uh, we're going to be looking at each other and looking at our world. So as we, as we can see in a moment, as we know from this letter, Laundry reminded us that uh, Peter is very much aware that we live in a world that's hostile towards Christianity. It's something that we're experiencing more and more all the time, isn't it? Uh, that our culture, our, our leaders, our, our people in the entertainment industry, uh, the people we watch on the TV and on computers, uh, they're more and more coming out against faith and trying to sideline uh, Christ, the Christian faith. Um, which is why, of course, Peter, as he writes this letter, describes us as aliens and, and strangers. In chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 2, verse 11, he describes us as, as aliens in this world, as strangers, people who don't belong. Um, there have been a number of books um, in our, and, and movies relatively recently about li- what life is like living in a hostile world. One of the, the most popular in recent years was a series called The Hunger Games. Um, in that, in that, that series, 12 people are placed in an environment that is incredibly hostile. Not only is the environment hostile, but the people themselves are hostile. It's a competition uh, to see who's the last person standing. Um, They've got to battle the environment, they've got to battle each other, um, and in the end, only one of them will survive. But of course, our life is not a Hunger Games, is it? We don't live a Hunger Games. Um, Our life is not a competition to be the last person standing. It's not even a competition to see who the one with the most toys wins. Like, it's not a competition. Um, It's not even a survival of the fittest, no no matter what uh, Mr. Darwin might say. We're all in this together. And one of the things that Peter wants us to encourage us to do is to look to each other, to look at each other. Look at the way he describes our relationships in the church. Starting at verse 8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because, of the, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. All those phrases are talking about the way we treat other people, that we treat one another. The first way a Christian must look is towards other Christians. Yes, we have an individual faith. We all put our, our own trust in Jesus, don't we? But we, we're not called to this to be alone. We are actually called to be together. That's why he says, to this you were called. And the phrases he used there are, are all relationship phrases. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers and sisters. Be humble, hum, compassionate and humble towards each other. Don't repay evil. Don't get, um, get revenge. They're not exactly compa- combative or competitive words. Now, you know, I, I'm a very competitive person. Um, I love to compete in games and all this sort of stuff. But, so you can believe me when I tell you that life is not a competition. We're not in it on our own. We're not meant to be on our own. We're meant to be together. That's why church is so important. 
That's what we're called to, says Peter. And it's incredibly practical. He says, live in harmony with one another. In other words, it doesn't mean we have to have the same, same ideas about everything, but no matter where we're going, that we go there together. And so as St Peter's goes forward into to a changing kind of experience in, in the coming weeks and months, you need to go forward together. Because there'll be, there'll be things that you might disagree on, but Peter encourages us to live in harmony with one another, to seek to find common ground, to find common directions, and to follow God together. And you will need each other in the times to come. We need to be sympathetic towards one another. And that's not just saying, oh, they're there, don't worry, everything will be okay. It's actually getting alongside people in their, in, their, in their pain, in their suffering. Not just to have words and platitudes of, of sympathy, but actually to show sympathy with action. He says to love as brothers and sisters. Now, sometimes brothers and sisters don't love each other very well, do they? Um, sometimes they fight. Sometimes they disagree with one another. Um, but in the end, they're family. And that, again, is what we are. We saw that last week, you may remember. We are reminded that we are God's family together, that we're not just on our own. We're not only children of God. We are part of a family. And through thick and thin, we need to love each other as brothers and sisters. We need to be compassionate and humble, not always wanting ourselves to be the centre of attention or always wanting what, what's good for me, but, but looking for the good of others being prepared to push others forward and, and to see others succeed and to be happy when others succeed. To not repay evil with evil but, or insult with insult, but with blessing. It's a, it's a natural reaction when somebody does something to hurt us to want to fight back, to want to hit back, to want to argue back. But Peter says that's not the way it should be amongst us. When we hurt each other, and we will, when we hurt each other, we need to learn to forgive one another. And instead of cursing, blessing. That's what it means to be one of God's children. That's what it means to be one of the righteous. The quote there from Psalm 34, you may have noticed, it's, it's basically word for word from Psalm 34, um, is describing what it means to be a follower of God. To be one of the righteous means to keep your tongue from evil, to keep your lips from deceitful speech, to not lie to one another, to not to do evil, with our words or with our actions, to seek peace among one another. That's what it means to be the people of God. And so the first question we need to ask ourselves is, what are we like? How are we going with that as a church? Do you feel that we do those things? Do you feel like we are a community that is in harmony with each other? Do you feel that we're a community that, that loves as brothers and sisters? Do you feel that we, uh, we're compassionate and humble with one another? That, we, uh, that we're able to forgive each other when we do wrong, when we say the wrong thing, when we say something embarrassing or, or hurtful? Or do we hold on to those things? I think the answer to that question is a pretty powerful yes, don't you think? Don't you think that that's the, the characteristic of our community? Uh, I, think that, I think it's one of the great things about St Peter's and one of the things we're going to miss most about here is, the, is that community, that love that we have uh, for each other. But, of course, it's not just about what the church is like, what is St. Peter's like, because, of course, St. Peter's is made up of all of us. And so, yes, we ask, what is our church like? But most uh, foundationally, we need to ask, what am I like? Am I someone who shows sympathy towards others? Not just in my words or in theory, but actually in action. Am I someone who is able to forgive? Or am I, am I 
harboring a grudge? Am I someone um, who is, is working to live in harmony with others, to try and seek to see others' uh, ideas go forward, to, to, to be humble enough not to think that it has to be about me or my ideas or my thoughts, my preferences? Am I able to, to, to seek others? And so as we look at this, this passage, the first place I want to encourage you to look is to look around you. Look at these people. As you live, as you live your life in the coming weeks and months, Look at each other. Have your eyes fixed on each other. Encourage and support and love each other. The other direction we're supposed to look, uh, Peter says, is outwardly. Uh, but it has to be said that it's not always going to be a rosy view as we look out. Uh, look at the way he describes it in verse 13 and 14. He says, Who is going to harm you for, if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Peter knows full well that in a world that's hostile to Christianity, sometimes things will be hard for us. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. There's no promise that the Christian life will be an easy one. And in fact, in some way, he says we are blessed when we are persecuted by others. Now, that's not Peter's idea. That's something he's got straight from Jesus. You may remember um, in the um, Sermon on the Mount, in the end of the Beatitudes, Jesus says... Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. Persecution and opposition will come, says Peter, but don't be afraid. In fact, be thankful. Don't be afraid because it's natural to feel, feel fear. I mean, all of us by, nat- by nature want to be accepted, don't we? We want people to love us. We want people to think that we're great. Um, right from, from, from birth, that's what we want. We're accepted for our parents, first of all, from our siblings and from our people we go to school with, the people we're at university with, the people we work with, um, our family and our friends. We want to be accepted. We don't want anyone to reje- reject us. So it's natural to fear rejection, to fear conflict. But Peter says, don't fear what they fear. Don't fear their threats. Don't be frightened, he says. Instead, set apart Christ as Lord. No matter what the world throws at us, Jesus has got to be our number one. That's picking up that idea from uh, Hebrews 12, that we're setting our eyes, fixing our eyes on Jesus as Lord, desiring to see others to treat him as Lord as well. And when we do that, when we're we're able to hold on to Jesus no matter what the world throws at us, then there will be opportunities for us to share our faith, says Peter. In fact, it's it's interesting that throughout the world where persecution has been the greatest, that has been where the church has grown the fastest. In cultures like ours where where all all the Christians are very comfortable and accepted and all that kind of thing, um, the church tends to stagnate. But where, the world, where, where Christians are, are persecuted, often the church will grow. And that's, that's what Peter expresses here. When they're living in, in a, a world that is hostile, where people will reject them, uh, when, it's, when they're in fear, he says, don't be afraid, but instead, as you set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. When you live a life that is different, yes, some will reject you for it, but others will want to know why. 
Why is it different? Why do you hold on to this stuff when everyone else says not to? Now, of course, Peter's not telling us um, to become Bible bashers, to go around and grab our bowls and whack people on the head and say, believe or else. No, he says, do this with gentleness and respect for others. But he says, be prepared. Be ready. Sadly, there are a number of Christians, I think, who believe that their, their faith is a private matter. This is something between me and God. And at one level, yes, it is. But of course, it's not just, our faith is not just something that's meant to be kept to ourselves. It's actually something that's meant to be shared. And so Peter says we need to be ready to share. And so I wonder if you are ready. I wonder if someone asks you, why do you have this hope? We talk about, we sang about a living hope a little while ago. Why do you have a living hope? What is it that gives you that hope? Do you think you could do that? If somebody asked you? A few vague nods. Let's see. Turn to the person next to you. And just in 25 words or less, just say, why am I a Christian? Just imagine that they're not a Christian and you, they've asked you, why do you believe this stuff? What would you say? Turn to the person next to you and do it. See how you go. I'll give you another 15 seconds, say 25 words or less. All right. Even if you haven't finished, that's okay. You can, you can continue the conversation over, over morning tea. Uh, just a few questions. Who found that hard? Do you want to find that hard? A couple of people found it find hard. Yeah, it's hard when you put it on the spot like that. And I haven't given you any, I haven't given you any warning, have I? So it's very mean of me. But of course, that's the way life works, isn't it? Um, like when you're talking to a non-Christian friend, they're not going to go, "Look, I'm going to ask you in a couple of days um, what, why you believe this." So if you could get back to me, that'd be good. They, they, they ask you on the way, so it's good to be prepared. So if you found that hard, that's okay. Um, but let me encourage you to say, "Well, okay, well, let me see if I can work this out." If somebody asks this question. Peter says to be ready. And so let, I'm going to try and get ready. Um, who found out something about the person next to them that they didn't know before? Do you want to find something about them? Yeah? It's great, isn't it? It's one, of the, one of the ways we can encourage each other, actually, is to share our stories with each other. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about 
you know, the weather or what, you know, holidays or those kinds of things. But I encourage you maybe over morning tea, you know, ask each other, you know, how did you become, you've been in church for a while, how did you become a Christian? That kind of thing. We can, we can help each other to be ready. What, what, what are some of the things that, what are some, what are some of the things that people said? Why, why do you believe? Why do you have this hope? What are some of the, the reasons that people gave? As you shared, you were talking, so you've got to have something. Um, or you're talking about the weather, I don't know. What were some of the reasons that you gave for the hope that you have? Yeah. Yeah, so for me that's one of the big things. That's that, that the, the the fact of Jesus, who Jesus is, that he is a real person who really lived, who really died, came back to life again, um, to show this from God, but also to take away my sin. Yeah, yeah. Lennis. Yeah. Yeah, so you kind of focus on, on the things that Jesus said and how that, that really resonates with your life that gives you a real sense of hope. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Any other things? Yeah, we talked a bit about um, <clears throat> focusing on God's love. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 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 So yeah, because often our world sees God as they, they talk, say God is, can be can be cranky and angry and whatever. But the focusing on God's love, which connects with what Mark was saying, I think that God expresses His love, shows His love through Jesus. But yeah, yeah, the love of God for us to know that you're loved is is a is a great thing. Yeah. Any other people want to share? Well, let me encourage you uh, to, to make sure that you're ready. Peter says that we need to live our lives with our eyes open, I think. We need to have our eyes open for each other, that we need to look towards each other and to care for and to love and support one another. Um, but also that we need to look, keep our eyes open about the world, that we, we shouldn't be naive and uh, feel like the world's going to be just fine. Life in the world will sometimes be difficult, but we need to be ready for that. We need to keep our hope and our trust in Jesus, not allow those difficulties to erode our faith. In fact, to allow our faith to come out and to be, to be ready to share it with others. And the last thing that Peter says, I think, in this passage is, is an encouragement to us is how do we do that? Well, it comes out of, our again, having our eyes fixed on Jesus. That passage in um, Hebrews uh, 12 says to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And so Peter gives, reminds us about Jesus in verse 18. He says, uh, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. What a great summary of the gospel that verse is. If you don't, not one of those people who memorizes verses, this could be a really good one for you to memorize. Christ died once for all, suffered once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That's what Jesus came to do, to bring us to God. He suffered just as we are suffering. So Jesus has been there. Um, the next couple of verses, verses 18 to 20, are a little bit mysterious. And there's all sorts of different um, ideas about what they're meaning. But, uh, and we haven't really got time to go into them now. But suffice to say, I think what he's talking about is being united, that we are united with Christ. Our baptism is a symbol of that. As we pledge our, con- our, our consciences, as we give our faith to God, as we put our trust in him, as we give ourselves to him, we are rescued by what Christ has done on the cross as, he, as he's risen from the dead. 
And he now sits at God's right hands, coming back to be with us. So as we wait for the day, we keep our eyes fixed on him. We remember Jesus. Now that idea of fixing your eyes on Jesus is not um, kind of some esoteric thing. It's not the idea of getting you know like a selfie stick with a picture of Jesus hanging in front of us that wherever we go, there he is. Um, It's more saying, I want to keep Jesus my Lord. He's my number one. And so I'm going to focus on him. But as I do that, one of the things I also need to do is to look around me to the people that God has given, given me, the family of God, but also to look out at the world. We have our eyes wide open, if you like, to see what the world is like and how we should live there. Don't be afraid of what the world will throw at you. As, a pers- as an individual or as a church, God has given us each other to help us in, the, in this walk, uh, but he also encourages us together to, to keep our eyes and our, and our mouths open, ready to share what we have, to share the hope that we have with a world that needs it. Let me pray that God would help us to do those things. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the way that you have given your life for us. We thank you, as Mark reminded us, that, uh, that you are someone who died, uh, who rose again, that, to take away our sin. That beautiful verse in chapter 3, verse 18, which says that you, you suffered once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. We thank you for bringing us to God. Now, Jesus, we pray that you would help us to live with you as our Lord. Help, keep, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, that we might obey you as our Lord. Help us not to be distracted towards other gods. But, Lord, as we do that, we pray that you would help us to also have our eyes on each other, to support and encourage each other to leave no one behind. But also, Lord, that we pray that you would help us to have um, a clear understanding of what our world is going to be like so that we're prepared, so that we're ready. We're ready for opposition and we're ready for the opportunities that might come. And Father, as we do that, we pray that more and more people will come to an understanding of the hope that you give to them, that they too might receive eternal life. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.